Sunday, 105 ESPN, ABC, the best game that ESPN's ever gotten for a playoff. The Texans are not involved. The Jags are not involved. Ravens and mm. Titans. This is playoff football. The trilogy. Happy Monday, everybody. That's Muddy Waters. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that. Probably a few. Got a bit of a packed show today. Listen, I had Stanford Steve on at about 9 o'clock. It is now 12.30 a.m. Monday morning. You know, Steve and I do our little bit, if you've been listening, over the Sunday night game. Then I go back and check it out afterwards uh, and catch the tail end and break it down if anything meaningful happens in that game. A few meaningful things happened in this Sunday Night Football game. Uh, so we will talk about that a little bit. Uh, and after that, we're going to be talking to Steve, as I mentioned. Uh, at about 9.30 tonight, when we were on, the lines had just come out for this week's playoff matchups. The entire schedule, that was kind of the reason we waited into the second quarter to do the pod. Because at that point, we kind of know what the fuck is going on this weekend. Um, and Steve and I played a game where I guessed the, uh, the lines and guessed the totals. And I think I did pretty good. I did pretty good. Um, scouts honor. I didn't look. Um, so I'm going to have Steve on. We'll go through each matchup, kind of just first thoughts we have on that and what happened today. Uh, anything that's relevant to this weekend's slate of games, as well as I'm going to get a little insight on the college football hiring and firing process that's been going on steve's really plugged in there and then get his thoughts on some of the college football action from the weekend and the big ohio state uh alabama final coming up this week it's a good week if you like football man it is a good week if you like football it's a great two weeks if you like football wild card weekend one of the best weekends in sports it's right behind first weekend of march madness for me and then when the world cup comes around every couple years it's hard to beat also um and i'm a volume guy so some people like super bowl sunday i can't stand it it's almost over it's terrible uh wild card weekend you got everything and we added a game my goodness it's gonna be great some really good games this weekend there's some not so great games we'll get into that adam gase got fired today and it got buried under uh 147 items of nfl news Highlights and playoff variables. And then this fucking game right here. This uh, Eagles-Washington football team slugfest um, that pushed deep into Sunday night. And, like, here's the deal. At the end of the day, when I'm doing this podcast, I understand that a lot of you aren't Eagles people. And I understand that some of y'all, it gets tiresome to hear me talk about the Eagles. I don't necessarily 
care about talking about the Eagles much more than I care about talking about any other team, you know, you kind of you you kind of suit your consumers. So if you tell more of your friends in Minneapolis that this podcast is really enjoyable or or uh or Dayton, Ohio or Jacksonville. I had a Jacksonville Jaguars fan who messaged me and I felt bad about it because I said something effective that the media doesn't give a fuck about Jacksonville down there, so it's not a hard place to play. And this Jags fan, understandably, was like, hey, dude, we do care. And I was like, ah, bro, you, you didn't quite understand. I know we have fans everywhere. Tell more of your friends. And when we log on and see the heat map, it's kind of like a, it's like a shooter's heat map of where people are getting green light through the ear hole. There's a lot of people in Philly. Some people in Missouri, that's where I played a lot of my ball. And um, I suppose there's a few in Boston. Um, and there's a few in Virginia. So naturally, I got to talk about the Eagles some. Shit happens. I thought we were over it. I was just going to make this about the Washington football team. But somehow a coach battling cancer and um, a quarterback who nearly had his leg amputated finding a way to sneak into the playoffs and steal the division, it's not the lead anymore. Because Doug Peterson, who was just supposedly reassured that he's back next year, has buried Adam Gase and all these things uh, under the 500-pound story of, of this NFL Sunday. Week 17, 5,500 different variable playoff matchups, a ton of brilliant finishes. You had a single doink in Tennessee. You had all types of close ball games. You had Indy even in a game that like people are only watching to, to see the formality of them wrapping that thing up. You know, it's still a one-score ball game all through. You had Cleveland getting in the playoffs, but we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to hear people screaming self-righteously about tanking. They're going to be screaming about the Eagles and tanking. By the way, Eagles fans, Zach Ertz, smoke picture on IG, running through the tunnel with the smoke behind him, black and white. I don't, I haven't talked to Zach to know, you know, where his head's at there. I don't like putting my buddies in awkward positions where they, they have to tell me too much. But, I mean, that, that post is generally a see you later post, right? So, Tough night for the Eagles, uh, but also tough night for Eagles fans because you never know with somebody like Jason Kelsey. Uh, you never know with somebody like Zach Ertz, and certainly this uh, is probably Jason Peters last year. So a number of legendary Eagles uh, making their way to greener pastures for sure, right? When you see that IG picture with the smoke walking through the tunnel, it's usually all she wrote. And then when you see my man sitting on the field for a while in silence, uh, He's probably, he's probably out of here. Um, and you know what? Good for him at this stage in his career. I wouldn't want to be back either. I don't know that he, he, you know, I'm not saying that he wants to be gone, but I'm saying like him leaving, good for him. Um, if that's what ends up happening because it's a shit show. So the game's wrapped up. Macon's fucking mad. I mean, he is just flagrantly cussing on text messages with perfect punctuation. It's after midnight. You know he's a Giants fan. So he's super mad. Super mad. 
But that's how big a Giants fan he is. So this was a really rough night for him. He was, he was very upset. Another thing he had to be upset about is that, uh, you know, we COVID shortened pick them circuit for this pod. Again, let me remind you, we include our wives because we respect our wives so much. And we love our lovely wives so much. If you listen to another podcast and they do a pick them with a graphic, uh, they got to do picks against the spread every Sunday. I know pods like that. I'm sure they're good guys. I'm sure they love their wives just fine. But if they don't include their wives in the Sunday pick them, can they really truly love their wives the way Macon and I are committed to and love our lovely wives? And they're not just in the pick them because we felt like including them. They're in the pick them because they're very good. And they enrich the league. So through 60, let me do my math, 64 games, because we started four weeks ago, we wrapped our regular season, and your boy took home the title, barely, by one game. Kind of shit my pants a little bit today, five, 10, and one including one win in the one o'clock uh, slate. So I had to turn things around. But what I needed to edge out Macon, my co-host, was uh, a Washington football team cover. I'm a football fan too now, okay? And um, Alex Smith has been through a lot. So I, I didn't get to see Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick end up in the playoffs. And, you know, that's just criminal if he ends his career at some point and doesn't get to to see what that feels like on the other side of things. I mean, he has to be just crushed and mad. And I love B. Flo, and I think he's the, he's, from where I'm sitting, he's coach of the year. And me and Stanford Steve talked about that a little bit, but it's easy for me to say that if I was Ryan Fitzpatrick and I was sitting in that seat on the couch on Sunday, watching that, not, and you don't know for sure if you, but it's your job to think you're better than the guy that's playing in front of you. Part of being an NFL player is being delusional. I don't even think like Ryan would be delusional if he felt entitled to at least battle for his first playoff snap. Well, COVID took that opportunity away. Um, but where he's sitting, he's probably sitting there thinking, fuck, dude, if I just took more snaps, if I just, maybe we brought the kid along a little bit more. Anyways, I digress. So yeah, it's, I, I, I do root for a guy like Alex Smith. I do root for a guy like Ron Rivera, okay? I mean, listen, I feel sorry for my buddies that are on the Eagles right now for a lot of reasons. You know, when, when your team's not playing well, it's nice to just slide out, exit stage left, like be in that Minnesota-Detroit game or be in that Denver-Vegas game. And sure, Playing spoiler sounds romantic. The right team can do it. But on a level, it feels a little bit unfair that a Nate Sudfeld was thrust into that this whole thing. That uh, Jalen Hurts was thrust in. I never played it down with him. I felt bad for him. You know, that the entire team has to deal with this dark cloud. Um, so yeah, if I were to do a Michelle Tafoya word game, you know, like the when they're like I talked to some players about Ron Rivera, and Chase Young said, dude. <laughs> and they like have 14 other words on a little graphic. Tanking, anger, Twitter, gift, Devontae Smith, okay? That's what this shit was all about. 
And uh, it's probably that simple. Okay, so here, so here's the deal. I'm going to talk to you about tanking. I'm going to talk to you about a team that on a level just lost the game on purpose or tried not to win a game on purpose. And I want to say this from the outset. I think a lot of people are missing the mark on this thing. If this pisses you off, great. You have every right to be mad. As a fan, as you know, players certainly have a right to be mad. As a blue check, as a media member, if you're if you're if your indignation is is legit and you're really upset about this and this irks you, wave your flag. You know, let let everybody in the world know. Just point the finger at the right person, okay? I've read a lot of, you know, Doug Peterson is XYZ, he should be ashamed, he's a terrible person, the whole nine yards, he should be banned from the league. I don't know what, how, how many other brilliant takes do you guys have? You're telling me that Doug Peterson, days after it's reported that he is very, quite fortunately, gonna be back next year, he's received some reassurance that he's gonna be back, or some assurance, because he was never assured in the first place, you're telling me he just decided to go rogue for some unknown reason in the third quarter of a, of a game, like an NFL game. He just decided to pull Howie Roseman's second round pick without telling anybody and not telling the owner and not, like he barely has a job, but you're telling me that was Doug Peterson's choice. You're telling me that Doug Peter and I tweeted something to this effect uh, last night, and people were fucking confused by it. So I didn't realize how much of an afterthought the chain of command in an NFL organization is. Doug Peterson didn't just say, "You know what? I just got my job back. I think I'll just drive this team into the ground. I think I'll just make a quarterback change." And when that little black phone that Bill Belichick threw like a fucking boomerang the other night. When that little black phone rings, I'm not going to pick it up. I'm just going to go rogue. Why? Because I want everyone to hate me. And I want a better draft pick. Obviously, that's why they did it in actuality. But the question is, who made the call, dude? Who do you think made the call? Is that what you're telling me? That Doug Peterson made that decision all by himself. So, if you are telling me that, I think you don't know how pro football works. And if you're not telling me that, then you should be honest and you should at Jeffrey Lurie or you should at Howie Roseman or both of them when you talk about Doug Peterson. But he should have just done the right thing. What do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? Just refuse? Like like literally let the phone ring or or you know, like things like this get discussed through the week. Doug was telling you what was going to happen. I just don't think you read between the lines or heard it. Like, Nate Sudfeld is going to get some snaps this Sunday. What situation would Nate Sudfeld get snaps that you'd be okay with? Did you plan on the Eagles being up three scores in the fourth? Or down three scores in the fourth? He wasn't conceding being down three scores in the fourth. And he certainly wasn't being arrogant or unrealistic enough to think that they'd be up three scores in the fourth. Everything about this game scream, let's just get the fuck out of here for, for the Eagles, like from a, from a standpoint of 
like who's playing, et cetera, what's at stake. Happens all the time in the NFL. Let's get the fuck out of here, games. So, I mean, he told you. He told you what was going to happen, and then he just did it. And if you think he just got told, hey, you're not getting fired, we're going to bring you back. But it wasn't like a, hey, we're really excited to bring you back. It sounded like a, all right, I think we're going to bring you back. Like, you think coaches then, like, two days later are like, I'm going to do my own thing and fuck this whole thing up and pull Jalen Hurts. You must jump out of the gym if you think that's how it works. I mean, you, you must just jump right out of the gym if you think Doug Peterson made that decision unilaterally. And I texted a buddy who I respect who had the take, and I disagree with the take, right? And I said, you really think Doug does that on his own? And he's like, well, no, but it was unfair to the players. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine, but what do you want him to do when he's told to make a quarterback change in the second half? Because let's get this straight. He didn't do that on his own. How many times do I have to say that? Has it been enough? Nod your head with me. It's been enough. Okay, you get it. So if somebody told him to do that, who do you think it was? GM, owner? He, he, he hadn't had enough say as it is. Like he just, like he's just at the point where he can ask for more say in personnel next year if he's back. And that was one of the things. Like if you're bringing him back, give him more decision making in the personnel. You know, like give him more power. I don't feel like when I left the team, I don't even feel like Doug had the decision making over the defensive personnel. Like, so what, what do you want Doug, like what do you want Doug to do in this situation? You you want him to walk up to the podium and throw his owner or his GM under the bus. You know, people like their jobs. People like their jobs. I'm not saying, listen, I'd like to think I would go. Nick Nolte in Blue Chips. This is my second Blue Chips reference in like six weeks. I would like to think I would have said, I would have hung up the phone. You know, like do like I do in a hotel when I don't want the stupid wake up call in the morning or the front desk calling me, telling me the maid's trying to get in. I'm trying to sleep till 10 o'clock. I unplug the phone. I unplug it out of the wall. I go in the bathroom. I unplug the, the, the phone out of the, the wall in the bathroom and I sleep. And I put a do not disturb on the... Doug can't do that. So I'm just saying, if if you're smart enough to know that it wasn't just Doug, then at Jeffrey Lurie and at Howie Roseman, if you're in the media. It's your responsibility to tell people how the NFL works. And the NFL is a fucked up business. Make no mistake about it. But I've seen worse. <laughs> I've seen worse. Listen, they'll shoot shit up every week. They'll lie about MRIs. They'll fuck you over on your contract. They'll cut you. They'll, like... This isn't even the tip of the iceberg. What, what happened tonight? Tough business, man. Last word is operative. Not saying if I was a coach, I would have gone along with it. Not saying if I was a player, I'd been happy with it. But, you know, I think, what, I think one of the reasons people got so mad about it is, I think in life, we're okay being lied to. We're okay being, like, gotten over on. We're okay, you know, being grifted. We're okay. Like, but we're not okay when it's, like, right in your face. Just don't be flagrant about it. And I think uh, Lindsey Jones had a really good tweet about this. The proof that tanking doesn't really exist in the NFL is just how stunning it is to see it actually happen in real time. I yeah, I mean, like I've talked about this. Like, the irony is that the best tanking speech of all time was given by Jason Kelsey in the media about a month ago, and then his team does the most obvious bit of tanking we've seen in some time. And I think, to, to Lindsey's point, it doesn't happen. Like, 
It really doesn't happen a lot. And if it does, though, it's very subtle. And I think that's what the biggest did. This was like guerrilla warfare, dude. This was, this was, this was, hey, kick down the door. Everybody knows it. We're making a quarterback change. It's super conspicuous. The only people that are happy are, you know, people who had Washington and Washington. Um, so I think usually people don't even see it happening. Like I could make a case for why is Gardner Minshew not playing in, in Jacksonville? Maybe somebody watches all their games. I don't know. Maybe, you know, he actually isn't any better than Glennon. I don't know. I just know his numbers were decent. Here's another thing. All these people up on their soapboxes, and I am not pro-tanking, again, because people are going to pull an ex excerpt here and say Chris Long, you know, supports tanking or losing intentionally. Jeff Schwartz brought up a really interesting thing. Um, you know, like when he was on the Panthers in 2010, he tweeted this. Panthers bench Matt Moore for no apparent reason to start, you know, Jimmy Clausen, 2010. This, this, this you know, th these things happen, but they're more subtle than tonight. And that's why I think people are enraged. But also, people who are on their soapboxes tonight have been the same ones who all year were like, snarky tweet. Hey, Jets, you're dumb. You shouldn't win. Hey, Jags, don't win. You're dumb. Haha, <laughs> you guys are so stupid. How stupid are these organizations? All they have to do is lose. Well, yeah, part of it is like a bit, but I saw people like really wagging the finger at teams for winning or trying to win. And listen, I made jokes. That's why you don't see me like tarring and feathering uh, Doug Peterson right now. Or the like acting like my world as a sports fan just ended because I saw the Eagles intentionally lose a game that doesn't fucking matter doesn't matter to them at all. So I'm not going to now turn around and, you know, ugly cry over tanking when all year I made jokes about it. I mean, it sucks. It sucks for the players. But what sucks most <laughs> is the general population not knowing who the fuck to blame for it. And if Doug is getting just murdered in the media and that sort of thing, somebody should say, it wasn't all Doug. And I'm not and I'm not saying that I know something. What I'm saying is I know how it works. And I can I can do basic addition and subtraction. Two plus two equals four in this situation, dude. It just it adds up to what it adds up to. But you wanted to go blue chips, Nick Nolte at the press conference, throw the owner under the bus, give a speech barricade the office door like what do you want him to do dude two days after they were like yeah if you're good you can have your job back <laughs> like yeah hey if you're good you can have your job back we're gonna need you to lose this game sunday fuck off i want to be unemployed sound a lot like what y'all would do at work because you're also principled <laughs> i'm more just like exhausted with it all I'm exhausted with it all. Whether it's talking quarterbacks in Philadelphia, like as I said, it's like talking religion or it's like talking politics. It's only worse. Or it had to be this tanking thing. I was almost over the finish line with the Eagles. Almost. There is one thing that they could have been doing. And I'm only just going to say this and just throw it out there because I've heard way worse takes tonight. So fuck it. I get to just say what I get to just say whatever. Maybe Hurts wasn't playing well 
So they were trying to save his trade value, get him out of there before it got worse. Wildly speculative. But I'm just going to say it because I heard tonight that Doug Peterson <laughs> just decided to be hated by America. Or either that or Joe Judge must have just punched one of his kids at the Super Bowl two years ago. Holy shit. Organization wanted a better draft pick and they told Doug Peterson to make a quarterback change. Don't have to be a genius, guys. Get it? Get it. Also, you ask as a player, how does it make you feel? Like I said, I was in some really bad situation. I was trying to think back. Was I madder at my organizations than you know the Eagles would have been? Like Jason Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, I'm sure is mad. I don't know. I don't want to speak for him. You know, Fletcher, who was injured tonight, or a bunch of guys, Zach Ertz, they want to win their last game. But as players, our jobs are to go out there and not embarrass ourselves and go out there and play 100 miles an hour and, that, and control what you can control. You get good at that, especially when you play for an organization that's going through some shit like they're going through right now. So, I mean, that's the important thing. It's playing hard. It's finishing strong. Everything outside of yourself, you can't control it. And also, like for the Eagles and for the Giants, okay, you know, win or lose, the Eagles are the one team that didn't do enough this Sunday to be in it in the NFC East. They were the one team in the NFC East that woke up today and was not in it. They did not win enough to be in it. So, like, to say, fuck, we're just so, like, don't chance it. Don't chance it. Uh, Giants, it's terrible. It sucks. But, you know, you won six games, man. It, it, it's never happened before. It would have never happened before had the Giants slid in with six wins in the history of the NFL. They put a new playoff spot in this year and they still couldn't get in with six wins. You know, like division's division, but it just, you know, don't put yourself in that spot. I mean, do either of y'all think, and I know the Eagles are would be mad for their own like just principal reasons, but do the Giants really think they deserve it more than, than Washington? And it also stings because I learned this from Macon in his uh, expletive-laden rant, Washington kind of took Chase Young away from the Giants last year in a meaningless overtime game. So this is funny. This is funny right here. Macon Gunter is, my co-host, is livid, and he's not here to defend himself, but he is livid about tanking, right? It's your prerogative. Be mad. It sucks. Ruined Sunday Night Football. But... He's also mad at the Giants and Washington because he wishes his favorite team would have lost and gotten Chase Young. Same text chain. So people, just make up your mind. Is it a fucking cardinal sin that we don't speak of? Because the way we're talking about it tonight, it, it's like Doug Peterson went out to midfield and just kicked a baby in the head. If they told him to do that and he did it, he'd be a bad guy. And I'd want to kick his ass. But he was following orders tonight. No way he wasn't. Imagine being a Giants player, though. Yeah, I wanted to hear Al Michaels read that bruh tweet so bad from, uh, I think it was Shepard, was like, bruh. And, you know, like, <laughs> I love it when, when they have to read tweets that they're not sure how to read. Al Michaels. And he says, bruh. Like, I, I <laughs> Saquon said, somebody make, somebody make it make sense to me. Eli said, this is why we don't like the Eagles. 
I can't wait to get to my timeline. People are still going to be up at one in the morning talking about this game and barely about the game, which was odd. It seemed so cool and calm for a game where a coach, you know, that I mentioned being through, going through what he's gone through, an organization that's been through the ringer and self-imposed uh, and has been terrible for so long with a few spots of, uh, of competency mixed in there. But it's been a long time. And down the stretch, uh, not to mention the quarterback who, who nearly had his leg amputated, these guys are on the cusp of going to the playoffs, 3.30 to go. One score ball game. Alex Smith fumbles a snap, and it was like a preseason loose ball pile. Like dudes were standing around, like like they were standing around a fight, like uh, people they didn't know. I was like, "Is there something going on on the field here?" It was so bizarre. Two oh eight, two timeouts left. They're literally saying on the broadcast, "It looks like Ron will be going to the playoffs." Like they were running the clock down to zero. It was the weirdest game in the world because obviously it was like they knew that Nate Sudfeld was not going to lead a game-winning drive, which honestly I think had uh, Ron not gotten the first down at, at, at midfield on fourth late, it would have got a little hairy. But it was just it was it was crazy. And then Ty McGill nearly goes hollow, man. Shout out to my guy, but you know hard count. I've been gotten many a time. That was the classic hard, hard count situation. If they were still in it, he'd be the biggest hollow man of all time. But, you know, he was just doing, he didn't do that on purpose. Uh, some of y'all take things so literally. He was just doing his job. That is a joke. And by the way, Alex Smith, though, I don't even blame him. That guy's got a John Madden 1996, you know, Sega Genesis cadence. Fucking got me out of my chair and game was on in the other room. He almost got them again. Uh, it almost worked twice. After the game, what I did here is that Chase Young says, Tom Brady, I'm coming. I want Tom. And then I think I think Thomas Davis or somebody like that gave him the dumb and dumber like, shh. Or he put, we put his finger Mary Swanson's mouth. Like, please don't get us beat already. But as I'm going to talk about with Steve, I really like that matchup for Washington. All right, so out of... Uh, I'm glad I don't have to do the Steve interview now because I'm just zapped from talking about such a exhausting topic for now for Stanford Steve. <laughs> I'll pick the lines for uh, for the weekend and see how 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 I did. Playoffs. You want to talk about playoffs? Yes, that's right. Football's playoffs start this weekend, and there's no better place to get in on all the action. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't checked out the app yet, there is no better time to sign up and start cashing in. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GREENLIGHT when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in one of Saturday's football games. That's code GREENLIGHT for new players to get a shot at doubling their money for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Steve's with us. We are watching, it is 9-25, and we're watching Washington and the Eagles duke it out. Um... And we decided to wait till now because we have the schedule. They dropped the schedule, yeah. what, about five minutes ago? Yeah. 
literally hot off the press, Chris. I can feel it. I mean, I can feel the warmth. It's like we, I could, I if I had the the schedule sheet in my hand, it would be warm. I'm gonna <laughs> pick all the lines out of okay. out of midair, and I'm yep. gonna prove that to you by being pretty not great at it. Uh, haven't seen the lines, and I'm even gonna take a stab at totals. Whoa! Yeah. Uh, all right. I don't. We could we could table the ta- uh, the grades on the totals because I do not have those yet. That's okay. Uh-huh. I mean, this is just we're just taking gotcha. total, total shots in the dark. I mean, we can play hypothetical with that Tampa game because we don't know at, at the moment who it's going to be. By the time people are listening, they know. Uh, yep. So when we get there, we'll kind of gloss over it. But uh, however you want to start, I haven't seen the schedule. First thing I want to know: Saints playing on Saturday or Saturday. Sunday? What do you think? What do you think? Sunday. Yeah. The league is the league is the league protects the shield and the league is hard line and the league is consistent, but the league does not turn down free money. No. And you would know that more than anybody. Um, yep. We're not going to get into what you got fined back in your day for your uniform violations, but we could table that for another podcast. A lot. A lot. Now, um, now, now looking at Alvin Kamara playing Sunday is a big difference. So yeah. we can. Why don't we start with the Saturday games, and I'll just know yeah. that we're going to get that there Sunday. We're yep. We're going to go order. Okay, we're going to go Saturday. Remember, it's a triple header Saturday and Sunday with the new playoff system. This is All right. This we, is the best weekend in sports just got it's, better. It's, it's stupid. Saturday, one oh five, CBS Colts at Bills. The line is Colts at Bills. That's going to be. I'm making the line. Uh, Buffalo giving six. Very good. Buffalo minus seven. Woo! And Not I'm gonna. Bad. I'm gonna put the total at fifty-one. Okay. I, All right. I think it'll be a good, fun, clean, fun game of football. The Bills are the best team in the AFC right now. They won ten straight without the hail mary. Uh, so they they've won nine of them. Um, and they've also covered, I feel like lately, they've been reliable in a couple spots like San Francisco. It was one that you're like, oh, San Francisco, Robert Sala, the defense. It's going to be a big test for Josh Josh Allen, who he had this like middle of the season kind of regression to the mean a little bit, whatever that means for mm-hmm. him. Then he started coming out of it, and he started beating the shit out of teams that we, we were like, well, their records aren't great, but they're tough. New England, same thing. I mean – all the money was on uh, the Pats. But mm-hmm. I like to point this out weekly. Will Brinson hit it on the head. Take the flying Elvis off the helmet and stop picturing Bill Belichick making plays for that team on the field. They're just not the same team. They blew them out of the water. And then uh, again, today, in a, in a game where, you know, it's really hard to get people up to do what they did today, especially late, and they just put it on your boys, man. Yeah, um, a lot to go into this game. It's turned into this narrative, I feel like, where I get it. Tua played like shit, and he's going to be the first person to tell you that he was not good. But I do want to look at two things here, okay? If we knew all week that Buffalo was starting Josh Allen, he was going to play extensive play, who the hell is picking Miami in that game? We just both agreed that Buffalo is the best team in the AFC right now. Yeah. No one was picking Miami to win this game right. against Josh Allen and Buffalo in Buffalo. So there's that thing. And there's also, if you want to look big picture, and I get it. 
Tua was terrible today. And a couple things about that, but I will say Miami's ahead, way ahead of schedule. Miami's, I mean, way, it, Miami's way ahead of schedule. And that's what I was saying. Like When you and I have talked about these five teams that were all jockeying for playoff position, mm-hmm. if we had to say it at the same time, we went one, two, three, I think we'd both say Miami if we were asked who's probably least deserving in the group. Just of what they showed. I just don't think they're there yet. And that starts with Tua not being there yet and, and Fitzy being – you know, on the COVID list, I just didn't feel like there's they were the least dangerous team. I mean, nobody would want to play them. The AFC is so deep. It's not a team you'd be excited about playing. But the other teams, Indy's more complete, right? You know, with, with the way yeah, the quarterback's playing right if now. If you, you put know. Miami in the playoffs in the AFC, you are not picking them to upset one team. You're not doing it. Right. But you big, big picture, they're way ahead of schedule. You know, you talk about being yes. like on the cusp of being in the playoffs and having the number three pick. That begs the question, because you mentioned it. Tua wasn't great today. Two out of those three picks were his fault. Um, they gave up a punt return. The defense looked like hell. I mean, Josh Allen went right at uh, Xavier Howard on a fade route. Like, you know, it's I think it was 21-6, so you're like, okay. And then Buffalo just throws two fades. It's 28-6. Like, it, it just – I mean, Buffalo was really, really impressive, man. And and that's the key. That's the key. That McDermott got his team up. And this is what, yeah. what solidifies it for me. The way they've continued to take care of business that's expected of them. Even in Week 17, they didn't look bored. It started off with a pick, three sluggish possessions. You pin them. And then next thing you know, it's seven on seven against a very yeah. good defense. And a defense that's playing for a lot right now. So, I mean... You talk mm-hmm. about the McDermott being a winner. I thought that you know they, they talked at the beginning of the game about being, hey, it's a field thing. He's asked everybody in the building. He's looking at that fucking Pittsburgh score as well. Uh, and right as they have the the pick six. Now I don't know if this makes sense or not, but I got to go back and look at it. But these two things happen at the same time. That pick six that that kind of blew the doors open a little bit, and a Hooper touchdown that that makes it a two score ball game pretty comfortably. Yes. So you know at that point, I'm pretty sure he was thinking. Let's put in the twos, and the twos dominated. After that 28 points in the second yeah. quarter, they fucking kicked their ass in the second half. That's why Brian Dable might be the biggest winner out of the whole day. He made the twos look like an NFL one unit. Brian Dable's going to be getting some head coaching looks, no doubt about it. When it comes to B-Flow, I heard somebody asking today, is he still the coach of the year? Yes, he's the coach of the year. Everything worked until today, right? Everything worked. You talk about him like going back in the last year, they, they lose their first seven, I think it was. How hot of a football team have they been since then? In general, uh, he's done a terrific job. The one thing that I think they might have gotten wrong in the short term and in the long term, I think they were surprised at how competent Tua was early Mm -hmm. because the Chan Gailey hire was not for Tua. That was for Fitzy. So the question is now, the way that bleeds into next year is, you could be picking three here, and we watched Justin Fields play this weekend, and yes, it's been so up and down and that sort of thing, but say you have a quarterback sitting there at three, you might not be able to make a determination on the guy you have in the building because you don't have the right coordinator for him. So if you, if you want to say, hey, we'll take a, a hard look at this next offseason, there won't be a three pick there for you to, to take a hard look at it, and you might have handcuffed yourself with a year of Chan Gailey and nobody else to evaluate Tua. Agreed. And uh, if, if Penny Sewell, the tackle from Oregon's there at three, that's what I'm taking with the Dolphins. What if Justin that's... Fields is there? No. What if Trevor Lawrence is there? I'll think about it. You think about it. Yeah. I, I, listen, 
I, I think it is plausible, and I wouldn't shout anybody down for saying. Because I think Tua is going to be just fine. I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah. Um, you know, everything he does right now is underneath. Chris, oh, that's the other other thing I wanted to say. Yeah. His receivers at Alabama are better than what he has at Miami. Absolutely. And when you do the comparison thing, we've mentioned this over and over again, Fitzy is the crisis manager, career crisis manager. You huh? think guys are open on most teams that Fitzy plays for? I mean, you know, most teams that Fitzy plays for are not wide open window teams. He's a bridge. He's been a bridge. I think he's always deserved more credit, and the biggest the biggest shame of this whole thing, honestly, that had me rooting for them is he's got the most passes in career history, I think, without a playoff start, without mm-hmm. a playoff snap at quarterback. So um, my man definitely deserves it. If you're him, to be fair, you got to be fucking gutted right now, and you got to be kind of pissed too yes, as a competitor. He no doubt. He's probably sitting there, and listen, Beef Loeb might be my coach of the year along with Stefanski. I mean, you know, however you want it, but I think the B's done a better job and and organizationally they're further ahead than, say, Cleveland where they were supposed to be. I I wouldn't blame Fitzy if he was sitting there like, all right, B-Flow, like, you know, maybe we didn't need to win this game if if I'm in there throughout the season. As hard as it is and that flight's going to suck and, you know, the immediacy of it all, yeah. But when you take a step back, I think there's there's plenty to learn from here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The two picks were bad. Uh, one thing though that I wanted to point out when you talk about his being conservative, and I think this is a mindset that just has to change with him. And I can't blame him because it seems like they've beaten it into him like 4.7 yards per attempt in the first half. Everything's underneath, right? Uh, and you know, like when we first watched him play against the Cardinals, he was letting it rip down the seam and that sort of things. It was like way more wide open. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's just me like overreacting to his, his first electric piece of action, but like, the, the thing that needs to change for them is second half, they're down three scores. They go in and make it 28-13. They almost didn't if it weren't for a Josh Norman hook on fourth and goal. Yeah. Two plays before, two has got a chance to score in slides. I don't think mm-hmm. it's because he's scared of contact. I don't think it's because he's not ballsy. He doesn't want to win. It's because he's so conservative. And so they yep. need to get him out of that that thought process. And I think you know item number one, it's unfortunate for Chan Gailey because he did a really nice job with his guy. I don't think he can be there next year, and that and that that does suck. Another thing McDermott did a good job of speaking of weapons and who has weapons and who doesn't. Uh, you know, you, you get you get a kid that I barely watched play this year score three touchdowns for the Bills. Isaiah McKenzie, McKenzie from Georgia, yeah, yeah. Uh, McKenzie, nice day for him, and you got snaps out of John Brown, who's been on the uh-huh. shelf a lot this year, so that was important. So you got the guys. That you needed work, you got them work, that sort of thing. And then next week with the – by the way, that has to be the worst plane ride of all time. Oof. Because of the way that – At least you're going back to South Beach, though. Oh, absolutely. You're going to get off – most guys have to book flights to somewhere warm. Most guys can't book flights somewhere warm right now because of COVID. You got a vacation yeah. in your backyard. You land there. That warm weather makes you feel okay. And you know, like, you know what? We gave it our best – we busted our ass, but we're just it, it, it wasn't quite our year. I and would, it's Florida, so you could just go to 7-Eleven and grab a case of beer. It just goes straight to 7-Eleven, bro. Yeah. But another yeah. thing about that flight that makes it terrible is all the flights now that people don't like, you know, when I was young in the league, we didn't have TVs, which sounds like I'm an old man, but, like, we didn't have TVs on the headrests. Now all the teams have TVs and, like, direct TV. Like, planes have direct TV, so you watch the game. Watching those games. So they were Cold. watching Indy, and before they get on the flight, it's like, 
oh, we're out of it. You know, it's just we didn't deserve it. They're up, what, 20 nothing early? Yeah. They get on the flight, and there's that period where the TV's not on yet. Guys are checking their phones. Oh, they're getting it tight. It's getting tighter. It's getting tighter. You turn it on in the second half for a second there. Uh, yeah, for, right. two, for a long time there, it's a one Two times game. the Jags got the ball with a chance to take the lead. Oh, and, and, and Phil, when Phil threw that pick, I was like, man, they're going to lose this game, bro. Yeah, I was totally thinking of saying, I was like, he's thrown how many picks against Jack Jacksonville? They're going to lose to Jacksonville weeks one and week 17. One year, $25 million. Oh, that's a rough one. Ooh. But good for them. They bounce back. Um, um, so how do you like this matchup, though? Here's a big if. Yeah. Cole Beasley. Cole right. Beasley, I need to know what the deal is with him because I think he's he, he's the difference in Buffalo going to the Super Bowl or possibly Buffalo struggling right here week one with the Colts. I think we've talked about the Colts' defense a bunch this year. They do a great job of mixing things up. They play mm-hmm. man. They play zone. They can get pressure with four. But I just I think Buffalo is so damn versatile on offense, uh, Chris. And and I've talked about how much I love their defense and the improvement. Um, the biggest thing to me is what Colts team is showing up. Mm-hmm. Is it the Colts that came out in the first half against the Steelers, or is it the first, Colts that came out in the second half of the Steelers? So I expect the Colts to come out with a good game plan and 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 test Buffalo uh, Buffalo's defense, which hasn't been tested now in a little right. bit playing against Indy or playing against. You know, Miami this week and playing against New England the week before and, you know, just, you know, beating up on teams. I expect a, a really good game plan from Frank Reich here. I could be talked into taking the Colts here plus seven. And I, I don't think this is coming down. If anything, it goes to seven and a half, eight because of how much people are loving this Buffalo Bills team and the Buffalo Bills story and knowing it's a home game up in Buffalo. I think that's going to get played up, and that's an unbelievable catch by Logan Thomas. Touchdown, Washington. Washington football team doing business for uh, for dad here. Uh, there we go. The kids are rooting for the Washington football team. They love the Eagles, but nothing on the line for the Eagles. What a catch that was. Yeah, that's a college quarterback from uh, Virginia Polytech Institute, VPI. Now, now here's the here. Well, here's the great no, e- the great equalizer in this game is going to be now Buffalo has been better lately, but their run defense not the best, and we know mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor uh, is oh. has taken. He had 131 off. yards in the first quarter today. I know it's Jacksonville, yeah. but that's pretty good. <laughs> He's taken off. So if you can have a big day with him, you keep it close. Um, and uh, I think they make things interesting. Honestly, I think that's where the lines. But I don't know that I don't know that I like them uh, laying that many points. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a tight ball game, and you know, they're kind of doing the opposite of what Buffalo's doing. To your point, everybody's high on Buffalo. Indy's mm-hmm. limping in. Did you see them? They almost lost to the Jags. Who gives a shit? It's the playoffs. They're going to elevate or they're going to sink. It just is what it is. So. Um, that should be a fun one. Yeah. All right. Um, Saturday, 440 on Fox. It's the Rams at Seattle. The line is. Well, I'm going to take a nap at that point, I think, unless. I'm, unless, I'm still with you. Unless Wolford's, with you. Unless Wolford's playing. Um, yep. Listen, I, I think I, I have the line. We had a 23-16 win. Rams at Seattle uh, earlier this year. That that game, golf was clean. The, he only lost one one ball, and and they won by a touchdown. Uh, but that was during that Russ slump. I think you know the the week before was Buffalo. 
where the bottom came out for him. He threw a couple just like interceptions that you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that was in Los Angeles, that one. And that was in Los First Angeles. One. That was in Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, because the one two weeks last week was in, yeah. in Seattle at Seattle. And, and they and they go 29 at home, and that's where golf kind of hit rock bottom a couple weeks ago, really, even before he got hurt. And Metcalf played better that game. If you remember, the first game he was held like nothing. The, the second game yep. he was held to like 60 yards, which still, he was their leading receiver. I, um, man... This one's tough. I'm going to go are, – are we assuming that – now, golf was warming up today. Yeah. And people made a big deal about that. Are we assuming he gives it a go? I think it's assuming golf plays, yeah. Uh, golf playing, I'm going to go Seattle by four. God, you're getting pretty good. Seattle minus three and a half. Yeah. At, at the book I've seen. Yeah, four. And, I, and, and this could be one of those 38 total games. This could be – this is mm-hmm. like a 42 tops. You know, it just yeah. it, it it. I will say though, this Wolford guy gives you a nice, a nice option to keep plays alive, and that's all. No like, that's really all you can ask for. If 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 Goff's thumb is hurt, and he comes out there and he looks doo doo, you, you you go to this kid at some point because you know what you have at least at this point. This guy came in cold, threw a pick six to start the game, and found a way to win. They can do things creatively with McVeigh. Like they they ran a wham back at at uh, Golden today. Golden's the right end, tight end. Higby coming back across the formation. Generally, when that happens, and you got shotgun and a back offset, um, you're thinking I'm going to get a, an out block. I have to force that. Okay, I'm the edge player. Well, they do the old Olay where Higby comes at you. You set your feet because you're getting ready to take him on and then try to make the play inside because you set the edge. Well, he Olays you and runs right by you and then hooks you and Wolford's out on the edge. So little wrinkles like that that they do, like that's what that kid gives you. Would you Would you trust Jared Goff next week? What would you do if you were Sean McVay? I would start him. Yes. Yeah, you have to. You have to start Goff. Um, But – it, it, see, to me, the I look at it the other way, too, and I thought it was really telling because, you know, the whole idea, when's Kyler coming back? When's Kyler coming back? When's Kyler coming back? And I'm thinking if I'm a Rams D lineman, man, like bring him back in because I know if he comes back in, he is not running the ball. Right. Like he is a sitting duck. Back. Like, bring, let's go. If I know they're going to run all their Kyler stuff and he can't – and he's not 100 and he can't run outside – yeah, let's go. Well, let's you, go. And this is one of those things where we're saying because he can still throw the piss out of the football, albeit yep. everything was off his back back foot today because yeah, he was hurt. Him out of one deep ball when he yeah. had the three verticals. That's a touchdown. He can't step into the throw. And give credit to him. Like, listen, I'm yeah. the kid's tough, and and people wonder, hey, why didn't he come right back in the game? A lot of times we're getting the meds to kick in. We're we're yeah. trying to we're trying to get that thing moving. We're trying to get it warmed up again. Well, a wrong stretch and that thing tightens up for 20 minutes. Yeah, and so I think that was what was going on there. The one thing I didn't understand though was Cliff running like read option or speed option, whatever he ran, I forget, on third and 11 mm. late in the game and they punt and then from there the game's over with like four minutes left. I don't get that. You know, if you're going to trot him back out there, it's pointless to do shit like that. Yeah. And so like you look at him the past couple weeks he just wasn't the same when he couldn't run. There was that stretch after the Seattle game where you're like, okay, he's hurt. We te- we know he's hurt because he's not using his legs. Then he started using them again. And so I think this, it, it does, and I'm not saying he's injury prone, 
But if he's going to play this style of football where he does tuck it and, and grab these chunk plays, which is very tantalizing, he has to learn how to get hit. Yeah. Because this is a new thing for him, the attrition of the NFL. Because mm-hmm. quarterbacks that that you know miss starts here and there, people are going to start talking about it. Yep. And I'm not saying he's injury prone. I'm just saying the style of football that he plays – and also being talented and so athletic, sometimes you, you tweak things more than other guys. So I'm excited. Another team that's ahead, Arizona's ahead of of schedule. I think Steve Kime did a great job. They've done a great job. But the irony of D Hop thinking, oh my God, I woke up in heaven. Uh, you know, I went to sleep in the basement. I woke up in the penthouse only for week 17 to be catching footballs. You know, with a playoff spot on the line from a backup quarterback with a sleeve tattoo. Never heard of the guy before. By the way, tattooed backup quarterbacks, they're not out there. That's like a unicorn. It, 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 it's unbelievable. I thought Boomer Esiason did a great job. He was Stravel, Straveller. Stra- yeah, uh, it was, good, it he, was good to hear Boom. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. I'm pro boom. I'm not pro Roma. I, yeah, I said it. I like the, I like the broadcast better today. Um, but he's <laughs> they're showing the B roll of of uh, Straveler, you know, with Strabbler. the gray cup and celebrate. Mm-hmm. And and Boomer says he's dead right. He's he should be on uh, Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. It was <laughs> perfect. He had the cowboy hat, the glasses, and the really? gray cup. Was yeah, he, was he playing for one of those Western territories teams? Probably. Yeah, Saskatchewan, the Rough Riders, probably. Yeah, I think he was on the Rough that Riders. Actually. That's where they wear the cowboy hats. But there's just there not, and he had some pretty good ink. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of backups or quarterbacks for that matter rocking Correct. the full sleeve. So good for him. But it was like D Hop. I kind of and his frustration was showing. Do you remember he had that OPI and flipped oh, yeah. out? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, like, thirty yard penalty. He got he got the team. And you don't see him ever do do that. Like D Hop no. is like the most. When I think of skill guys, I think just so stable, and mm-hmm. you know to get the OPI, which was OPI, right? Uh, yeah. And and then to it's the other way, flip out like that. That just goes to show you how frustrated that group is. I think they're going to be back stronger never next year because they they're going to wear that chip. This year is going to instruct them in a lot of ways as an organization. I think they'll be back stronger. So uh, yeah, Rams, Seattle. I'll get my afternoon nap. Um, and I think the uh, the Seahawks cover, but they're going to give about four points, as we said. Three and a half is what you said. Uh, yeah, um, and actually, you just got some over-unders in, and you are right on it. Colts, Bills, 51 and a half. What? 51, and Rams, Seahawks, 42. You're on it. What did I say? I said 38 to 42. Okay. Yeah, you know, you said more like it could be 38, but it's more like 42. So you're two for two on over-unders. Pal. Holy shit, um, buddy. And this is, how, I, this will, is- I will point this out. Yeah. I will point this out. Mm-hmm. If McVay can muck it up, you know how how timid the Rams D can make Russ look. No doubt about it. And you which know? is why like, I, this, is, this is the one thing I keep thinking about with these playoff matches as we come down. I know we just talked in the Colts Bears, but we got a Brown Steelers game to break down. We have a Ravens Titans game, which feels like a, a division game to me because they've met so many times in the playoffs. Yeah. But then the Rams Seahawks, like I get, you know, we talked about this last week. The more people in, the more chances at winning a title. Right. But this is what it's going to give us, like more division games. Like, I don't want this. I want, you know, teams not yeah. from the same division playing against each other. So this is, yeah, this is a good, good, good nap time. Uh, wake up early, go get some donuts in the morning, and then uh, take a nap for take this the one. the afternoon nap, and then wake up yeah. all confused because I have a beer buzz from earlier in the day, and it's dark. Yeah. Out. 
Nice. Feels like feels uh, like a miniature version of waking up in Vegas after dark. There's nothing worse than that. That is strictly a 20s thing. You cannot take a nap and wake up at 11 p.m. anymore. No. No, you can't. That, 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 that's, why, that's why you that's why you go out to dinner in your bathing suit when you're over 35 in Vegas. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking um, security Hardo took my weed pen last time I was in Vegas. I fucked that guy wherever he wow. is. All right. Um, um, all right. That's like, moving, all right. <laughs> on. moving on. Um, Saturday night, primetime, NBC, 815. The man who has not been good in primetime this year, Mr. Tom Brady at either Washington or the Giants. The line is his. Uh, okay. Have you seen the line? Yeah. For both? Is yes. It, do they give you one for each? Yes. Okay. If they're playing the Giants, I got them at a touchdown favorite. Okay. And if, well, you know what? No, because they're on the road. So give me, let me go, let me go, let me go five and a half Giants. Okay. Am I wrong or am I right there? You're wrong. Okay. What are they? It's from seven. It's more than seven. It's, I've seen seven and a half. I've seen eight and a half. Okay. So I should have just fucking trust my instinct. At this, yeah. at this point, Don't overthink it. at this point, I'm going to go Washington. Getting four and a half, and that's what what it's going to be. I think Washington's going to win this football game. I I circle this because I knew you were going to love this, and you were going to try and bet it, but you're not going to be able to because Washington has to win this game first. Washington plus seven. Oh, I love it. I knew it. I, I fucking it. love it, dude. The only reason they didn't cover against the Seahawks at home was Dwayne Haskins. The yep. front four. I told you. Brady's kids for three weeks. All due respect to my former teammate, the GOAT. His kids are rooting for the Eagles tonight. They got their Eagles pajamas on. It's it's painful to watch in the Brady household, but it's what has to get done for him to feel good about next week. I know he's gonna feel good about next week. I think they win, but Washington is no cakewalk, man. Devin White's gonna be out, maybe. I don't know. We gotta check on his status. That's a yeah. big deal. His speed, Gibson, some of those guys that Scott Turner gets moving. Uh, with the ball in, the, in their hands out of the backfield. Like, that's a big deal. And, you know, we talk about this. Somebody said, oh, well, he was sacked four times when he played the Giants the first time around. And everybody remembers how tough that was. They were really working through some things at that point. They have worked through some things. Oh, and the yeah. defense for the Giants has not played the same since. Okay, so uh, he would get hit a lot more if he played this Washington front. And that's why I've, I've had this circled, as you mentioned. So I'm glad I'm wrong on this one. Uh, give me Washington. Don't, and don't you think, let's go back. Everybody's going to be on Buffalo. Uh, everybody's going to be on Seattle probably, yeah? Yeah, everybody's on the favorites. Okay. Everybody's going to be especially on on Tampa. Even at a touchdown, I think. Um, it, it, It's going to be interesting to see, Chris, because everybody, no matter what, happens with Washington all you're going to hear about is Tom Brady this year one and three oh and four against the spread five touchdowns five picks in prime time that's well, all you're going to hear fine. well that's music to my ears because um, because it's going to be a it's going to be a win for them but it's going to be close Mike Evans what's the deal with him you know I the only reason I had any interest in their game today was that I had a, a you know a money maker so to speak, which I hit on one last week. You call me crazy for even betting these, but 
It was it was Brady for 300 yards and Mike Evans for 100. He needed um, a certain amount of yardage to hit that 1,000-yard milestone over the first seven years of his career. He was one of only a few guys. Got hurt like the first trip down the field or second trip down the field. That's where they played the Outback Bowl. Good day, mate. The turf yep. is fucked up. That's my synopsis on that because he goes to cut. The ball's behind him, and he does like a, a side lunge and, you know, hurts his leg. So is he straight? That's one thing I want to know going into that game. Hey, by the way, can I give you my take? I talked to Outback Steakhouse on Twitter this weekend. We know each other. We make contact. Oh. I saw Cole Kublik eating a blooming Onion all by himself. I thought, it, I thought he did a great job. I thought his priorities were great. I immediately looked up on when I saw him crushing that thing at like one thirty yesterday. I immediately looked on my phone where the closest outback was to my new house. Dude, it, it probably not far. They're everywhere. It's there's one close. Yeah, exactly. And you need to head. Down have you taken there. a whole blooming onion to the head before? Fuck yeah, I have. All eight hundred calories. All seventy nine percent daily value of sodium. Maybe I sweat a lot. Maybe there's I need only, more sodium. There's only 900 calories in a whole blooming onion? No, I think that's a lie. Somebody tweeted that out. Yeah. It's got to be no. more. But I used to take one down. Like I used to go to go there and eat, you know, whatever you think of their steak. I used to eat a steak. I used to eat a blooming onion. Yeah. Never disappoints Outback. I think, kidding? I think, I think Outback Steakhouse is great. Somebody made an interesting point. They go, um, I think they said something to the effect that, like, Gosh, Outback is just full of stereotypes. They don't even drink Fosters in Australia. I'm wondering what their American stereotype uh, restaurants like. Mm. You know what I mean? I want to. I want to hit their version of Outback. I'm interested to see. Like, remember the old Outbacks though? Like the girl would come sit right next to you. Hey, how are you, mate? You know what are you having? Like they would sit down at your table with an accent. And take your order. Yeah. No, they wouldn't. Yeah. I don't remember this. I, mean, I was in oh, high yeah. school. Maybe I was in high school when that when this was going Probably. on. Probably. Yeah. And that yeah, was yeah. when I used to hit Outback anytime I got the opportunity. But yeah, so go. so my idea is this. Personal blooming onions. I saw that. Germs, dude. Germs. Right. We can't go back to the you're not gonna sell as many blooming onions anymore. And Outback kind of did this thing where they big time me. And, you know, they did that. Every Bloomin' Onion is a personal Bloomin' Onion if you're serious about it. I'm like, guys, don't go changing this shit to personal Bloomin' Onions when we get out of the pandemic and the vaccine comes because you know it's going to cut into your Bloomin' Onion profits. People aren't going to want other people digging into their shit. But even not even the germs, like there's nothing that bothers me more than, hey, do you want anything? Nah, I'm good. I'm going to get a Bloomin' Onion. Maybe get one for yourself. Nah, I'm good. Next thing you know, your fingers are all in my blooming onion. I I would know not to get into your blooming onion. Nobody, everybody know that, knows that not to get into my blooming onion. Yeah, everybody that knows. Big old, big old blooming onion you got. Um, <laughs> all right, <laughs> you ready for seven Sunday games? Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I cannot wait for Saturday night. That's going to be so fun. Brady's face after Chase Young hits him the first time is going to be so fucking angry, dude. He gets so angry when he gets hit. It is like, oh. Sunday, 105 ESPN, ABC, the best game that ESPN's ever gotten for a playoff. The Texans are not involved. The Jags are not involved. Ravens. And Titans. This is playoff football. The trilogy. The trilogy. Somebody needs to study trilogies and let me know how they usually finish up. 
Um, because we've got. Can you imagine if the Ravens lost three times to these guys in in a calendar year? Pretty much, how fucking awkward that would be, and how the narrative would just. Man, uh, I actually have Baltimore favored by two points on the road. Getting good. Baltimore is actually favored by three and a half. Yeah, I like I like Baltimore, um, and that that hurts for me because I love Tennessee, but I despise their defense right now. Despise. Yeah, I mean, just it's not pretty. It's so bad, and it it makes me wonder how they. Now, a lot of it was Baltimore was slumping earlier when they played this year, and they won 30-24, but how they held them to mm-hmm. that number. And in that game, they did the thing you don't want to do against Baltimore. They got down, mm-hmm. which also illustrated to me why Tennessee is the most interesting team in football because they'll go down two scores, and they don't even have to break character. They just fucking give the ball to the big guy, and they close the gap. Like, because mm-hmm. they, cause they average, you know, X amount of yards per pop, and they'll be 140 yarder there. And they ended up winning on a 29 yarder, the walk off. Um, yeah. So the key when you look at these games to me is I mean, it's obviously Lamar, who's playing really well right now, and the group's playing well. Greg Roman, him, they figured some shit out. They had their rough spot. They look really good. The first time they lost 28 to 12 in the playoffs, um, Henry went for 195. Lamar was all over the field, 500 plus yards, but the turnovers, right? How do you how do you ha- account for 500 yards of offense and score 12 points? Well, turnovers, you don't finish in the red zone. And what did they do the second time? One for four in the red zone when they played in this year. So I think they're going to be better. I think Tennessee's defense has gotten worse. Uh, yes, I'll be pulling for the Titans because I love the Titans, but I don't think they can get this thing done. It, it's going to be hard the way Baltimore's playing right now. Now, the one thing is... You were between a rock and a hard place if you were, if you were Tennessee, uh, and maybe that's why this was kind of a look-ahead situation for them. You're looking at it and you're saying, oh, we can play Baltimore, who we've beaten twice, which isn't necessarily a good thing, um, and a team that's really hot right now. Or we could play a team that blew us out and is even better than they were earlier this year when they boat races. So Tennessee, the way they're playing, golly, it's a tough spot for them. Okay. Um, I will say this. Every I've heard plenty of people on social media, seen plenty of people on social media, I've even heard it on TV today, talk about how I don't want to play the Baltimore Ravens right now. I think the Ravens are playing as well as possible. So I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm here now in the Baltimore area. I watch them every week. So I'm like, what have they done actually? Okay. What have they actually done in the last month or so? Okay. So beat, I want to beat bad teams. Horrific teams. Yeah. There's, there's the win against the Browns on Monday night. The week before that, they beat the Cowboys. Then the Browns win. The Jags they beat. The Giants they beat. And the Bengals they beat. Mm-hmm. So here's another thing for you. Whoever I pick in this game, just take the opposite team. There's no way I'm going to win betting this game. Uh, these two teams are my absolute nemesis. And no matter what I pick, the other's going to win. Yeah. You, you you mentioned it, but but you, this is where I have a problem because I overlook what teams are doing in the moment, and what I mean by that is I, when I look at this game, I'm like, there's Tennessee home dog. There's they if there's one thing they are not in this game, they're not afraid of Baltimore. No, they are, 
there, it's not even close, but that that bravado, I feel like, is going to get in their way of their preparation because they feel like they've stoned Lamar before. And when you go back and watch last year's playoff game, it was a bunch of fourth downs that Baltimore went for and they didn't get. Right. And what did Tennessee do? They busted a long run and they hit a home run over the top. And that game was curtains early mm-hmm. because they knew they had the defensive personnel. Now they don't have the defensive personnel, but they do have the belief because they know they be in this team and they have one guy that that's not even mentioned for MVP in the league and he's doing more than anyone is at the uh at, at the position and that's and that's Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, a researcher just told me is he's cleared he's 400 yards ahead of Dalvin Cook for yards and that's another 500 to third place. So he's basically 900 yards rushing I think right. ahead of third place in the league. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. That's stupid. I know. I know. On on a team that that's not boring or like traditionally like No, that and that that's the other thing, Chris. No one no one watches Tennessee. Nobody because if you watch them, you know Tannehill makes a lot more plays. Oh man. All all anyone look look at the last two drives. Yeah. The throw to AJ, and that's another guy. AJ oh, Brown. Is, AJ Brown is ridiculous. When he got he got hurt early in the game today, I was like, "Oh fuck, yeah. that's a big deal." He he came back out there. They hit the bomb to him at the end of the game to avoid going to overtime. Because when you go to overtime, it's just like it's it's a great. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. I mean, Deshaun the way he's been so um, such a such a gutsy finish for them. And I'm so glad they won because what I would have hated to hear about was now I don't disagree with anything JJ Watts said, but I would have hated to hear it was the speech, and that's why because it just feeds people's fan fantasies even more of how you know in a fan's mind everything's like Rudy or some dramatic football. Remember the Titans or listen, the Titans fucking lit them up offensively. No one thought Tennessee's defense was any good at this point in the season. So there's nothing I learned in, in this game today other than that Tennessee is just gutsy and they they find interesting yeah. ways to win. You're gonna have to Baltimore's gonna have to stab them a million times to kill them. Yep. Just and and, and I think they know that. I think they know that. But uh, this that's easily my most anticipated game of the weekend. That's I interesting. Wait. That's really interesting. Another thing you want to look at is Calais Campbell. May or may not get him back. The first time he played, Brandon Williams was out too. So I think it's, to your point, it's if not one, it's one of the top two games of the weekend. It, it, it's I, all three AFC games are ahead of any NFC game for me when you look at the matchups and how I anticipate, anticipate them. One thing I will say about Baltimore that they've done a really good job, and I haven't gone back and watched the tape, but they've done a really good job again after the passer in this game. Maybe it's just because it, they're playing teams that stink, but they've done a really good job of getting uh, pressures on, on opposing quarterbacks. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on. You know what surprised um, me? Their, their leader going into this week and getting home in sacks was uh, Judon, who we both really like. He had six sacks, right? Uh, Ngakwe had three. Mm -hmm. And three hits. Calais Campbell's hits have been down. So it's funny. It's like we always talk about this. Wink creates a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, it's like they don't have anybody that's dominant. They brought these pieces in from different places that you're like, I really like this guy, I really like this guy. Calais, he's older, but I really like him. They just, they do things as a group. 
One other thing, I keep saying one other thing about this matchup, but I'm really into it. Late in that Tennessee game, Saffold left with ankle, didn't come back. I didn't catch that. That's enormous. Huge, huge if they don't have him. That's enormous. Um, What's the, wait, let me guess. We've got two games left. We've got Cleveland-Pittsburgh left. Oh, you know what? I just got an over-under on that uh, Tennessee game. You want to take a crack at it? Oh, yeah, let me take a crack at it. Uh, I'm going to go 49. 54 and a half. I don't hate that. It's the furthest I've been off, so maybe we should get on the under. I got to do some more homework on you, though. <laughs> this, this new guy is yeah. is uh I gotta I can't I can't judge the old book by its cover here so far. We're a new team. I gotta, We're a new team. I gotta, read, I, read, I gotta read a new couple more chapters of this new Chris book. I hope the new Cleveland Browns and the, and the new Pittsburgh Steelers because they're they've turned their season around too are the the Sunday night game. Yes, but in between another nap for another you. Another napper. Sunday. Yeah, uh, Bears at Saints four forty CBS. Actually, I think it'll be relatively competitive, but, um, well, I mean, you just look at the Saints' track record. I, I have the line at five and a half. Niner. Wow. What do you think it is that's driving that? Um, the fake, the fake impressive wins that Chicago's had. Both are ha- both are better than they were earlier in the season, though, objectively. They figured out a little bit with running the football in Chicago. A little bit better there. Mitch has been better than he was before he got benched. Listen, I don't know, man. I'm not real interested in this game. First time, they were four-point four favorites. Yep. Four-point favorites. Um, I thought the line would swell, but not five points different. And, you know, <laughs> you had the home home field advantage. I just don't know what that means in the playoffs. I don't. I don't know what home field means to the Saints. It didn't mean much to them last year when they lost the Vikings. I totally agree. I just think it means the world for Drew Brees to play a game indoors instead of outside. I, I, I just. I believe that. I think the arm strength thing is thing. I, I obviously he's not one hundred percent. I give him all the credit in the world for coming back it's, and playing injured. It's and better than that. the alternative, right? Playing outdoors yeah, no. somewhere right now is would exactly. be a death sentence for them in a lot um, of ways. But I just look at this going back six weeks. Bears lose to the Lions, beat the Texans, beat the Vikings, beat the Jags, lose to the Packers. They haven't faced a defense anywhere in there like what they're going to face with New Orleans. Um, I I expect New Orleans to come out hot. And um, if there's going to be a blow, I always look for the blowout, the one blowout in the week. This would be mine. Uh, my selection uh, for the blowout. I don't know if I like him at nine, but if okay. where I set the line, I would bet the the Saints. But like, listen, I, I think they probably win by about a touchdown. Okay, um, you know, and and I will be taking a nap, so you can let me know how that game yeah, goes. I will. Um, I will. I'll take notes on that one for us. Um, Sunday night. I'm excited. Sunday about this night. One. This might be my number one. NBC. Browns at Steelers, and the line is. I got Pittsburgh um, getting or given three and a half at home. Pretty good. Pittsburgh minus four. Yeah. So, so I like Pittsburgh here. I do. I do. I'm not. Listen, the Browns should be overjoyed there in the playoffs. Kevin's done great. Baker's turned the narrative around a little bit. They won some big games here. Um, 
Nick Chubb scares me. But quietly, the Steelers ran the ball a little bit today. Steelers hung in there. Steelers damn near beat them with Mason Rudolph. And if I'm Cleveland and you tell me, do you feel good going into next week having one close against a team with a lot of their key players sitting? Yes, because I know how long and how much it sucks to not be in the playoffs. And I'm ready to go. And I don't care if we got to play them again. I know our good is pretty darn good. And I know what they're up against. We know what they're going to want to do defensively to take away Chubb and Hunt in the run game. We know we're going to have to have some exotics in there to take guys out of the box. Um, I, you got, you got to feel, I, I thought about this, like, yeah, oh my God, how long has it been since Cleveland's been in the playoffs? And, you know, and then you got to go face, you know, Pittsburgh, a division got team. Like we talked about, mm-hmm. you got to, you got to be out of your mind fired up. If you're playing for the Browns in this game, you, you got to be, Oh God, you got to be so pumped. I, I couldn't imagine the opportunity. Like all these guys have played for is the opportunity, man. Mm-hmm. And now they got it. And now they get to step on the neck of the team. That's just stepped on theirs. How many years in a row, right out of the gate. Every, just, every week. Got a little taste of it last week. You know, you could do it. You know, you could do it. And the other thing I was going to talk about, you were talking about um, coach of the year. Like Stefanski had to walk into that building and be like, wow, this is, we tighten this up and this up and this. Like, this we're good. Bad, dude. We're good to go. No. We got everything here. Yeah. You know? So I'm really happy for him. And, and like I said, they, for the Browns, to me, it's opportunity. They got it. That's all they've wanted. Let's go. Absolutely. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be – and it's another another thing is if you're a Steelers fan and you're thinking, okay, Finchner's not calling the plays anymore, whatever you want to believe. Mm-hmm. So you haven't seen him since then. You haven't seen him since that explosion. You haven't seen him mm-hmm. since that comeback. So it gives you a lot of hope that, hey, Cleveland might not be the worst team if you can find a way to block some guys up to take shots and build – with a win, obviously your your one A is winning a football game, but if you can establish your little twist of a new identity in the playoffs, uh, that can build confidence and it can put things on tape that are really going to help you in the next round. I think there's a good matchup for the Steelers. They kicked the shit out of them earlier this year. It's obviously a different game. Chubb was out. They 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 kept you know Hunt at bay, uh, and obviously Cleveland's playing way different. I can't wait for this game. This game right here is going to be oh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's it, it will be. Um, and it, it's just to me, I you know get a little spoiled. I don't want to see teams that played the week before. I can't stand that. That's but that's the one thing we got with t- with division games happening in the second half. Absolutely. So that's if I had to rank them next weekend, I'm probably going to go. Because I love, I love, love, love watching the Rams play defense. That gives them a nod over the Bears game, honestly, for me. I'm just not that into that game at all. Uh, because one of the, those teams gives me no, there's no redeeming value to the Bears being in the playoffs, in my opinion. Other than Would fall- you rather see the Cardinals? Yeah. Because there's right. something exciting to watch. All right. Robert, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, Fuller some great players over there in, in Chicago, but they just don't comprehensively 
the defense isn't dominant enough to to make me think oh, I just want to sit down and watch Chicago play. And the offense, I totally are, agree. You know, I mean, like I can I can stomach watching the Rams even with a backup quarterback that they're hoping is the next coming of of Kurt Warner because the defense is so fun. Jalen Ramsey's a football machine. Another pick six today. Uh, go for, back to for, uh, I double up on my AJ Brown six, versus yeah. DK. Yeah. Jalen against DK again this week. Mm-hmm. DK don't want no part of that. Uh, I don't want to say all that. DK is a friend of the program. I know that, but he knows he's he's, he's all right. DK is going to be working extra hard. This I'll, week. I'll put it this way: DK respects him. You could tell when I asked him about it. No doubt, no like, doubt. It's, he does. it's a legit respect. It's just like because you know what I think what DK is. DK looks at other DBs and is like, "You're not like me. Mm-hmm. Like I just, no I'm I'm not taking you lightly, but I'm." disrespectfully like you are not you don't your mentality is not like mine you're not physical like me i am like the d i've seen dk break up his own pass like mm-hmm. i've seen dk just run through a db who's trying to catch the ball and just shoulder him like you would the other way around when you play jalen ramsey it's two equals bro it's yeah two, two equals That's a great point. it's a lot of fun man it's a lot of fun to watch them i best matchups I want to see Tampa Bay's. Uh, I want to see the goat versus that front. Uh, Seattle, obviously, DK and Jalen. That's a fun one. Mm-hmm. Bears Saints. Probably Saints O line against the Bears D line. Absolutely, they have a. Their O line has been one of those like like perpetually respected, but never thought of as the number one group. I can't. I watched Andrews P was probably the biggest recruit Stanford's gotten in a long time. And the fact that he is playing guard in the NFL is just like, I look at that kid, like he walked down the field, played left tackle at Stanford. I was like, Oh my, the size of them, big guards, man. And now he's playing. I just big guards, bro. I remember playing him as rookie year in preseason saints Patriots. I want to say it was because my dad I, played with his dad. I think he mm-hmm. told me, yep. Um, good kid and a good player, man. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, if you're looking at, Buffalo, Indy, huh. the whole thing, the whole fucking the whole thing. thing, the whole thing. It's going to be a good weekend, man. I can't wait. Really good. Um, college football, before we get you out of here, man, uh, Ohio State, Bama. You think yeah. Ohio State's got more magic up their sleeve or does it run out because Bama's just out of their weight class? No, I don't, I, I don't believe in the weight class thing, Chris. I really don't. I think Ohio State played – as well as they could, they had that. Everything they needed was in their favor as far as motivation, mm-hmm. as far as guys that needed to step up, stepped up. Yep. Fields got Olave back. We saw how good Olave was. Ohio State got the tight ends involved in the pass game. Uh, Ohio State huddled and forced Venables not to be able to know the plays, which they've been known to be sign thieves all over the place. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was an absolute genius game plan from Ryan day. He is an absolute assassin of a play caller and he's going against on uh, the other offense, an assassin of a play caller and Sarkeesian. I can't wait to see this matchup. Um, I, if this may, uh, when I first look at it, I haven't gone back and watched either of the semis back yet, but I love both offenses. I mean, I don't know how you can't, but I don't think it's going to go over. I think both teams like to run the ball too much. And um, I, 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 I mean, 77 points for a national championship, that, 
I don't feel like that's possible. Is that what the the total is yeah. right now? My goodness, yeah. I didn't look ahead at that. Your, your yeah. boy Sark, you had Sark um, penciled in for you were hoping a pro job, but to get yeah. the Texas job is a big deal. Yeah, no, B- he's bigger um, deal than the Falcons job. Yeah, yeah, I would say right? so. Yeah, he's got a couple more eyeballs on him. I would think in Austin. Yeah, what do you, how do you think that? It'll be fit? good, but it'll be good like for us to get a little road trip down there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. If you're friends with yeah. Sark, so am I. Then we can get down there. Yeah. So I've always wanted to hang out in Austin uh, in the fall. Hey, is that a good fit culturally? The whole nine yards, like. I, I, I think so. I think Sark's a smart enough guy to learn from his mistakes. Um, it's feels kind of a similar hire getting the hot name offensive guy like Tom Herman was mm-hmm. Sark does have offensive or I should say head coaching experience. We do remember uh, he had the struggles at SC off the field, got that stringed out, went to the NFL with the Falcons for a bit, went with Nick to, you know, get his, get, get everything going. Um, recruiting is the key. Um, they have lost out on in-state guys, and we know how big Texas is. Uh, recruiting's the key there. That's where Herman ran in trouble. And um, is that is it, that what it was with him? It, to me, what it feels like, Chris, is back when Mac Brown was gone and went to Charlie Strong. It really felt like to me, knowing how powerful high school football coaches are in the state of Texas, right. it feels like they have their own alliance, and like they sort of you know, circle the wagons around guys or pull their wagons out of the way of other guys. You know, it, it feels like. And they literally those, have wagons. Yeah, exactly. They have so, wagons. That's how they get um, around. It, it, it feels like one of those deals where, where Tom wasn't over able to overcome from previous stuff. So it's a shame. Uh, that's what we get nowadays in this profession is four years and it's tough. It's tough. He's a great coach. He's, um, and it just, it didn't work out. And I, I just go back. I just go back to tell people all the time right now, there are five people coaching in the sport that have won a national title five. Yeah, yeah. And one of them is coaching at fucking Kansas. Okay. <laughs> and if you forget it, so really every, there's four every weekend, I forget that it's, it's it's not that easy. You're not. It's it, it's it's so much tougher to win than people realize. And the t- and two coaches before we move on to you know you talk about Sark heading to to Texas, Urban Meyer being talked about in Jacksonville. Another guy that, that being mentioned there is Ryan Day. But it's looking like Urban Meyer. The two coaches who had to eat a little bit of crow Saturday, Brian Kelly and Dabo. Both very outspoken uh, before the game about Brian Kelly talking about no good football going on. I don't know if you watched. And then Dabo had to eat the humble pie too with, against the team that only played not even a top 10 team. Yeah. Didn't even get beat by a top 10 team. So, top 11, according to him. Yeah, so um, I don't know, man. It, it's uh, it's going to be fun. That That's a game I'm really into because Ryan Day to, you know, seems relatively likable and Nick, oh, as long best. as he can hear his head, headset, uh, I love watching him coach as well. Urban Meyer, Jacksonville. You think he can take his stick to the league? No, I don't. Gonna be hard. It, it, I'll put it this way: I think he's a tremendous coach. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying it's it's uh, it's such a there's, there's so many fewer guys with that kind of persona from college that succeed than there are that don't. You know what I mean? Like it's just so hard to sell that. Yeah. It's. I just feel like never being there and never being part of it. That's that's tough, man. Lastly, Matt Campbell, your guy, yes, cover city, uh, and knows how to pump the brakes and grind to a halt. I had mm-hmm. the under in that game. 
<laughs> Holy shit, dude. I love Matt Campbell. I was like, I damn near turn yeah. it off. But no, it's just, they know how to milk that clock. Mm-hmm. Where, where, what's his future? People have said Ohio State, if Matt, if Ryan Day leaves to go to the pros, um, there was some Michigan talk. I don't know, man. Like it's, it, here's the deal. I feel like he's one of these guys that he coaches all of his buddies. They're from, uh, you know, the D three school. Is it Mount? I, always, I know people are going to get yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. I think, Mount, yeah. Yeah. I think it's Mount union, mm-hmm. but like played one, five national championships, coached another mm-hmm. one there. He's got all his guys there at Iowa state. You can get anybody into Iowa state. I could have went to Iowa State. Anyone. <laughs> so recruiting is, hey, let's go out there. Nobody yeah. uh-huh. off of the list. Uh-huh. Nobody. That's and funny. I think he looks at that as an opportunity. Like, hey, we could we could get anybody. Right. Let's go get let now let's go get them. Right, right. You know? Exactly. So um it's 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 a really cool story that he's gone there. I mean, they, growing up, I mean, they've been the worst of the worst. And uh, now they're playing on New Year's Day and winning Power Five, uh, you know, New Year's Six games, which is just awesome. And he doesn't seem like a cornball. He doesn't seem like he makes shit up or like. No, or no, 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 no. He he doesn't seem like a guy with twenty seven uh, sayings on the wall. No, am I right? Nope. No, yeah, 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 totally right. I'm all in on Matt. Humble Campbell. dude, yeah, humble dude. Not trying to be somebody he's not. Not an actor. Exactly. Fucking love that. The, the first thing he talks about all the time is is. is you know, playing D three football. It's, it's, it's great. All right, man. Well, uh, I'll All see right. you later this week. Um, enjoy the, uh, the tail end of this football game. Absolutely. You too.